Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 119 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. Um, my name is Paul Hirons, welcome along and with me to uh, discuss the comings and goings, to chew some fat and also to preview the Super Bowl uh, because it's the Super Bowl this week. It's Nathan Palmer everybody. Nathan, how are you? I'm very well, my son, and all the better for being able to see your face tonight on the podcast. Now, normally we do this um, on a sort of, you know, just a voice chat, um, can't see each other. Decided to spice things up a bit tonight, doing the old Skype video chat. So what a pleasant supply, uh, surprise I'm in for tonight. How, how spicy am I expecting this video chat to be? I'd say like a madras. Oh, right, okay. Okay, uh, not Vindaloo uh, levels, but like sort of, it's going to be fairly good. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. get you, get you moving. Get me moving. Okay, well I'll hold you to get that. Get you then. sweating. Get me sweating. Well, I'll definitely hold you to that. <laughs> um, my name is Paul Hirons. As I say, we've got uh, a packed show. I know I say that every week, but we do. Uh, we have one of our followers and uh, group members, Andrew Dockerall a Bengals fan from the UK who will be going through his first mock draft of the off-season. And Andrew does sort of three or four every off-season for us. He's really great, really knowledgeable. So Andrew will be coming on in a little while. And we also have a special guest this week. Um, we have Paul Dana Jr., the Athletics. Paul Dana Jr., he's been on five or six times before. He's been over to London a couple of times. So he's all met us and drank and made merry with us so we're on the same wavelength there and it's always a pleasure to talk to Paul and you know we had a real kind of half an hour wide-ranging chat about pretty much everything from Bengals uniforms to what the timetable looks like for the Bengals in the off-season what might happen when and also um, his love of Everton and the parallels between Everton and the Bengals. So all that is to come. We've got some announcements. We're going to be dropping some details on what we've got planned uh, for our off-season activities. Uh, again, we've had so many messages saying, please don't stop, just carry on. This is really helping us through lockdown, which is extraordinarily gratifying for us and a real uh, privilege and a compliment. So we're going to... Um, well, we had the Bengals UK AGM a couple of weeks ago and uh, we've come up with a full off-season's worth of fun and games. So I'll tell you a bit more about that uh, later. Uh, where should we start, Nathan? What's going on? <laughs> I don't know, Sam. You, you sound like you're out of breath after that monologue. Well, I am. There's a lot to, there was a lot to get through. I'm banking well, you, you on... You pass it over to me to get your yeah, breath back. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, what do we start with the Super Bowl? There's not been too much in the way of Bengals news over the last week, is there? Um, nothing that springs to mind anyway. No, not really. I think people are getting into, as Paul mentioned in the chat later, people seem to move on quite quickly, uh, especially mm. um, if your team has had a bad year, you know, like, like we did. Um, you move on pretty quickly to the draft and free agency and whatnot. Um, but it is the Super Bowl and it, it could be a good game, I think. Um, I just don't see how the Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. They always seem to find another gear, don't they? 
you think? I mean, the, the Chiefs will certainly be big favourites. I think it's always a difficult one to um, to be uh, to bet against Tom Brady. Um, I think a lot of people will be saying that line over the next week. Um, Tampa Bay effectively at home as well, obviously with the. Uh, the game being um, in Tampa. So it'll be an interesting matchup. I mean, you'd, you'd think really with the raw talent of the Chiefs, they'd probably come through quite strong. But I don't know. I, I, Bruce Arians a wily old fox. Tom Brady, obviously, is not going to be overawed by the occasion. He's been there, done it, won it, multiple occasions. So I think it'll be a good game. I think the Chiefs will win. Um, and I'll get to the score prediction later. But how about yourself, Sam? What are you, what are you seeing there? Yeah, I agree. I, every time I think... Kansas City might lose. I mean, I genuinely thought the Browns might trouble them, and they did to some extent, but you know, they not quite on that same level. Um, Kansas City just seemed to pull away. Even if you remember last year, you know, against the the Texans, when the Texans went up against them, and they just kind of stepped up at another gear and blew them away. And that's a very difficult team to be. I don't know. I mean, I do like the Bucks' defense. I have to say, I think they're really good. Um, you know, Shaq Barrett and uh, um, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, and then Dominican Sue and Vita Vea. That's a really good front four. And then you add in people like Levante David and Devin White. Suddenly, you've got some real fantastic defensive playmakers who have all made really big plays in the playoffs. So. As much as people are talking about Brady and, you know, all this and all that, I think the key to this is whether Tampa Bay's defence can make plays against the Chiefs and limit them. Because I don't think any team in this league can stop the Chiefs, but I think they can uh, limit them. And then it's down to the offence to try and kind of outscore them. But uh, I don't know. I, I think the Bucks will give them a game. Um, but you've got to say the Chiefs are favourite for this one. Yeah, I think for the Bucks, they always seem like a fairly good team in the regular season. But I think you probably would have said teams like Green Bay and New Orleans would be much heavily, uh, much heavily a fancy to come through and you know sort of contest it for the NFC. But you've got to give credit to the Bucks. I mean, they had the football team in the first game in the playoffs, which they fairly easily disposed of. You know, fairly easy game there, and obviously the big win for them really. I mean, there was two great wins, but to see off the Saints was a fantastic win. I don't think Drew Brees was quite his best and the Saints were a little bit out of sorts, but good win there. And obviously, I don't think anyone expected them to go into Lambeau and turn over the Packers, who had just looked so, so good against the Rams the week before, who were the NFL's best defence. So you've got to give them credit. They've turned, you know, they've beaten New Orleans and uh, Drew Brees, albeit, like I said, Brees probably not his best, and then Aaron Rodgers. So next up, Patrick Mahomes, probably the best of the bunch, but... You can't rule them out. They've already won two games on the road, um, you know, in difficult circumstances. And now, obviously, playing effectively at home against the Chiefs. I I don't think you can, as as easy as it is to look at Mahomes and Andy Reid and Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, all the superstars that Kansas City have, I think it'll be closer than people think. Yeah, I, there's a chance. I mean, there's Bucks have got a chance to win it, you know. But I do think it will come down to the defense against, you know, the Chiefs. If the, the Chiefs get uh, their big sort of two going, you know, Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey, then it's trouble. But I don't know. I think Todd Bowles is a really good defensive coordinator, and I also like the Bucks running game. If they can get the run game going, and you know. 
chew up some time and score points, long drives, then, you know, it's the blueprint for any, whenever you play a really good offense. You, you want to keep the ball for as long as possible on offense and you want your defense to step up. It's not rocket science, but, um, yeah, the Chief, Chiefs just feel head and shoulders above quite a few teams at the moment. So it will be an upset if the Bucks can pull it off, but um don't know. Um, you wouldn't bet, as you say, you wouldn't bet against Brady. He's got all the experience, and even though he had a poor second half against the the Packers, um, the defense stepped up, didn't they? So, yeah, um, I, I'm looking forward to it, and um, it should be it should be an interesting game, I think. Yeah, you can't rule out that. And it's worth mentioning those Bucks skill players. You think about Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Cameron Brait's a good player. They've got some talent there, and they can cause damage against the Chiefs. I think it's just if the Bucks are going to do it, I think they've got to start really well. I think if they get the ball first, they've got to put some points on the board, really take it to the Chiefs, and be stingy on defense and play with that ferocity they did against Green Bay. Um, I think the last thing you can afford to do is if you're the Bucks have a slow start. I think it'd be very, very hard chasing a game against the Chiefs. I think you've got to try and get Mahomes off the field, control the clock, um, as you mentioned, and really sort of try and um, use that home advantage and the familiarity with the sort of setting and stuff like that to to your benefit. So, yeah, I, I mean, I personally, I really hope Brady doesn't win another one. I just think, you know, I mean, obviously the Chiefs will repeat, Mahomes will get his second ring if they get the win, but I think it'd be hard to stomach another Tom Brady Super Bowl. Uh, I believe that'd be his sixth, which would be just completely extraordinary. I mean, yeah, but then suddenly you're entering the era of Mahomes and I won't spoil the chat with Paul Daney Jr., but is there a chance? Am I getting bored of Mahomes already? Probably not, because he's just so fun to watch. He just does things that no other quarterback, I think, in history has done. That's probably a sweeping statement because, you know, our own Boomer Sison used to do a bit of sidearm slingery. And, uh, but, yeah, Mahomes is just on a different level, isn't he, really? He's just so fun to watch. Yeah, just dynamic, extraordinary arm strength, great composure. He's a smart guy, obviously. You know, him combined with Andy Reid's brain is obviously um, an exceptional weapon. So, yeah, it's going to be hard to slow him down, I think, over the the future years, especially with someone like Tyreek Hill stretching the field and uh, Travis Kelsey with his sort of sure-handedness, strong, tough guy over the middle. So it's it's a very, very potent offense. There's no doubt about that. Should be an interesting one. But the real question is, Nathan, um, I mean, what's your approach to Super Bowl? Are you a napper beforehand? Are you a big drinker on uh, during the game? What kind of food do you eat? That's the real question that everybody wants answered, I think. Well, the, the Super Bowl's better than those Monday night games, isn't it? Because it starts at half 11. So you don't need to never nap before it, really. I think that'd be... Um, but I mean, maybe 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 to some people. But if it's if it's a one thirty game, I tend to have a nap for an hour or half before, just to sort of give me a bit of an edge before the game. But for this Super Bowl, I'll just stay up for it. I, my biggest my biggest delicacy is nachos. Always, always nachos. That's my favourite. Um, so I'm probably going to have a few of them. I might have a couple of beers. I've, I did dry January, so I'm over that now. Um, so I think this weekend would be a good time to sort of indulge and have a couple of beers and sort of let loose a bit. But um, yeah, I think that's it for me. I might get some Tonys in as well, just pair it with the nachos. Odd combo, but I, like I haven't it. had Tonys for a month. 
Good either. Huh? Good work. Just I've just basically been um, a bit of a sort of a bit of a sad case for January, sort of on a bit of a diet, not drinking, not eating anything nice. So I'm more than ready to have a bit of a blowout this Sunday for the Super Bowl. How about yourself, Sam? I don't know. I mean, I'm not really doing anything this year, so I actually don't like eating that late. It doesn't really sit very well with me. So uh, I'm not. I'm just going to watch it in bed on my own. I think. Uh, miserable old man. Look at you. I'm going to watch it in bed on my own. All right. hell. <laughs> Get away from me! I don't want to see people. We'll have some fun. You could have a couple of you could have a couple of models <laughs> around your place, son. All when I say in bed, suits. you don't know who, whose bed I'll be in. But anyway, uh, it will be my own, obviously, uh, on my own. Um, but yeah, I mean, normally I get together with my mate and we uh, eat lots of ridiculous food. I say I don't like eating that much, but when I say I don't like eating like you know big meals at that kind of time, so. Who are you um, kidding, Sam? I Not don't, one of them listeners believe you. I don't, I don't. Um, but there was one year where we both decided that, you know, we'd gone too far in past years and let's do a healthy Super Bowl. Let's do it. So one year we sat there eating carrot sticks, hummus and drinking herbal tea throughout the game and it was oh. the most joyless experience in the world with all due respect to Jim- my mate. Do you know, if I was to do a poppadon preach again, it yeah. probably would be carrot sticks and hummus. Okay. I, could think, I could think of anything less appetising than carrot sticks and hummus. Underrated, mate, underrated. Oh. Um, okay, uh, before we move on, uh, have you got a score prediction? I'm going to go 31-17, Chiefs. Oh, that's a good shot. I'm going to go 38-27. How about that? Be a good game. Mm. Um, have you got a favourite Super Bowl? That you've watched in recent years? Um, do you know one I really enjoyed? Well, I know I didn't enjoy it, but I, I was really into it. Was the Cardinals Steelers one? Yeah, I, that would be one of mine. Even though no one likes to see the Steelers, I thought the no. Cardinals were going to win that one. Yeah, so and did you I. Wanted it I, so I badly. Yeah, I remember I, had, I was at university and I had two quid. This is sort of a classic university bet yeah. at 33 to 1. And obviously, if they'd won 66 quid in uni terms 10 years ago, yeah. it was about 500 pounds. So I I was, I remember watching it, staying <laughs> up. And Larry Fitzgerald got that touchdown. Like you said, you really felt like, oh, they're going to do them. They're going to do them. So I remember that being one that I was really into and like really wanting the Cardinals to do it because, you know, they're similar to us, smaller market franchise, obviously Larry Fitzgerald's quality. And you, you really felt like you obviously didn't want the Steelers to win as well. So, mm. yeah, that was a particularly good one. I, I'm going to go for the Atlanta-New England one as well. I thought that was a terrific game. But again, it wasn't quite the result that you wanted. You didn't want the Patriots to come back. But bloody hell, that was a heck of a game as well. Uh-huh. Uh, well, we do hope that you enjoy the Super Bowl. And there's news because we will be bringing you uh, a Super Bowl special online tailgate um, on Sunday, 7.30 uh, British time, which is 2.30 Eastern. We have a special guest. We've got ex-Bengals linebacker Joe Kelly coming on. Of course, he played in Super Bowl 23, had the most extraordinary player entrance i think i've ever seen um and if you know joe that's probably not a surprise really um uh, (laughs) good old joe and we have a country music star coming on as well uh to play some live music and we're also going to be having some live cooking as well and there's going to be much more so do tune in 
Uh, obviously, we'll be advertising it, but do tune in, save a space, maybe go for a nap at about nine o'clock because we'll be running uh, for an hour and a half. Um, a specially extended Super Bowl special um, online tailgate, so do join us. Right, it's time to cast our minds further down the track now after the Super Bowl. It is free agency season, it is draft season, uh, speculation has begun. And uh, so have we. We have finally entered the draft fray. As long-time listeners will know, we do like to provide some draft coverage. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk to Andrew Dockrell um, now because Andrew has uh, supplied us with his first mock draft of the off-season. So let's bring Andrew in. Andrew joins us now. Andrew Dockers, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Paul? Yeah, I'm okay, thank you. Um, do you enjoy doing mock drafts? I do. Um, it's certainly something to escape the current world, that's for sure. <laughs> so you um, you do maybe three or four uh, for us every year. Uh, you go in really in-depth, which is fantastic. And um, this sort of kicks off our draft coverage, really. We will, long-time listeners and long-time followers will know that we like to get into it because there's obviously a, a huge plethora of names and uh, it can get quite confusing. So we do aim to kind of break it down and make it as uh, easy to follow as possible. And uh, Andrew does some mock drafts for us. We'll have our draft panel of Bengals UK people coming up uh, probably end of March, early April, I would imagine. Um, but Andrew has kicked things off for us. The draft season has begun. The fun has begun. Um, but this, the, the first mock draft is, is very uh, particular in its criteria. Would you like to explain how you went about it and, and what you based your selections on, really? Yeah, so we do a couple of different scenarios during the year, but this first one is always the senior bowl only guys. So only guys that were there this weekend, uh, whether they played or just trained or in the case of our first pick, literally just turned up for some interviews. Um, it's it's an interesting way to look at it. it. It's less realistic in terms of draft order, but I think you'll see that there's quite a few guys that the Bengals do like to pick from the Senior Bowl. I think they had three last year, a couple the year before, so it's somewhere they definitely look into. And there is talent there. Um, mm. Last year, I think the mock draft they had, Kinlaw, who went top 15, uh, Brandon Ayuk, who had a great season, um, Adam Troutman, who was PFF's rookie tight end of the year. And then, of course, Antonio Gibson, uh, who I am a big Your fan Your favourite. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of quite gratifying, isn't it? When you when you kind of pick someone from uh, this, whole, you know, hundreds of players and they they become a really good player. That's 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 kind of fun, isn't it? That's half the fun of it, I think. Isn't exactly. It? That's the whole, the main reason we do it. As much as you like to see guys get picked by your team, you, you want them to succeed. Or on the negative side, there may be a few guys that you think are a bit overhyped and you smugly enjoy them not succeeding as well. <laughs> you evil man, you. <laughs> and of course, I, I two of my guys uh, happen to uh, do quite well this year, as you know, T Higgins and... Uh, Chinners, Jeremy Chin. So um, I thought I'd drop that in before I let you talk for half an hour. Uh, OK, let's go through your draft then. It's up on our uh, blog, bengalsuk.wordpress.com. We'll be putting it out on social media, so do watch out for that. Um, round one, pick five. You have gone for? It's Devonta Smith. Um, 
it's lacking there at the top this year. Um, there was a few guys last year that were quite good. Uh, obviously, there's no need for a quarterback this year. So, well, even if there was, there certainly wouldn't be any that really excited me this weekend. Um, Kellen won, won the MVP, but he's very inconsistent as a prospect. Uh, Devontae Smith turned up, uh, interviews only. He didn't do the weigh-in, which was a bit of a contentious point. Um, although I don't really know why. We know he's undersized. Um, I don't really know why standing on a scale needs to prove or deny that. It's it's fairly obvious in his composition. Um, don't get me wrong, he had a an amazing college season. Uh, won the Heisman rightly, the first one to do it since, I think, 91, uh, Michigan guy. Led the college in receiving yards, in touchdowns, in receptions, um, and just looked really, really good on tape. I think he dropped two balls all year. Um, just really productive guy. Uh, the issue is that size I mentioned. Um, he's six one, about 175 pounds, and that's probably pushing it. He's probably lighter than that. That worries me how it translates with the schedule, the safeties. You look at that size, you're talking about guys like uh, Tavon Austin, John Ross. Um, it, that it, it is a worrying thing about whether you want to risk your fifth overall pick on a guy like that. However, he does have way better tape than those two names. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just the body shape that just is worrying. I must, uh, the caveat here is you're only picking from senior bowl guys. It's not the full pool. Uh, there's no Jamar Chase. There's no uh, Penny Sewell. There's no Kyle Pitts. There's no, none of these names that a lot of Bengals fans are currently going wild for. But uh, Devonta Smith is one of the names that a lot of Bengals fans quite fancy. Uh, especially with AJ Green on the way out. So uh, Devonta Smith is your first pick. Uh, this is a full seven rounder, so we'll get through this as quick as we can. Round two, Levi on Wuzurike. I think that's a pretty good guess. That's what well, I was going to go not for. Bad, yeah. um, uh, defensive yeah. tackle, Washington. There is obviously a, uh, a suggestion, even a probability that Geno Atkins won't be around. So this feels like a... A need and a decent player as well? Yeah, this is a guy you put alongside DJ Reader um, and creates interior pressure. He played mostly nose tackle last year, but that's not really where he translates. He is that 3-5 technique. Um, so when we say 3-5, we mean positions between the guard and the tackle. So going, we go from zero over the nose all the way out to nine, which is outside of a tight end. So it's alignment positions, for those that don't know. Um, he has good hands. He has good power. Um, he is a, a, a good prospect at this position, I would say. Um, and like we say, we need pass rush, uh, whether that comes from the edge or the interior. I think this would be a positive pick. Mm. Um, third round, you have gone for uh, a position that a lot of Bengals fans will be very happy with. A lot of Bengals fans want this position, or at least a an offensive tackle in the first round, but you've gone offensive guard Quinn Miners at uh, round three. Um, he had a good senior bowl. He 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 put down some good tape, as they say, didn't he? He certainly did. Um, showed off a lot of stomach as well. Uh, he <laughs> always, always a good thing, I think. Exactly. I think that's what you want from your old school uh, guards. I think it'll make a few of the O-line coaches happy. Uh, he is that old school mould. He's a mauler. He's not the most athletic. He's a power first guy. He, he tries to win with power every snap. 
Uh, he's competitive. He tried to play through a broken hand. I think the staff told him not to in the end, so he didn't play on Saturday. Uh, but he is a guy that I think does go day two now. Uh, small school guy, so there's a lot of development work in terms of technique and skill and playing guys from the higher level. But he didn't look amiss there amongst some good names on the defensive line. Levi on Rosarike, as we talked about. Um, uh, Oza Odigizua was there as well. Another tricky name. Um, so I think he, he he's definitely a day two prospect here. And like we said, we didn't get uh, an offensive lineman in the first two rounds. So really forced to pick one here. Uh, round four, um, you have gone on to the other side of the trenches and you've given me another uh, brilliant name to try and pronounce. Uh, Ade Tukumbo Ogundenji. 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 I think I mean, that's right, yeah. That's great. Uh, yeah, Ogundeji, um, edge from Notre Dame. His teammate, uh, Dalen Hayes, is the guy that got a lot of draft necks happy and excited early on. Um, I think Ogundeji's better. I think he really has a lot of growth potential. He's added a lot of weight the last two years. Um, I think he could potentially add more and become that kind of kick inside guy who could play outside or inside. Uh, power, lots of power in his hands. He has um, a lot of ability in terms of working in the run game and the pass game. His bend isn't fantastic, uh, but in the fourth round, you're hoping you can turn a guy uh, with development into uh, an exciting rotation piece. And as you rightly say in your in your, in your your mock draft, the Bengals have had success in drafting mid-round defensive linemen, right? So let's, let's hope that's the same. Round five, you've gone back to wide receiver. It's a bit easy to pronounce this one. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville. Yeah, one of the most productive wide receivers uh, from the game on Saturday. Um, I was coming in really wanting to look at this guy, Tutu Atwell, uh, another great name, uh, who was his teammate at Louisville. Um, since uh, Lamar's left, they've had some inconsistent quarterback play, so it's hard to watch a lot of their tape. Um, There's very few throws in the right areas. He had a really nice two-foot toe-tap catch in the game. Uh, which is a translation piece. Obviously, in college, it's only one foot down for a catch. So learning those kind of niches is important. He's 6'2", doesn't really separate with speed uh, or with clean route running, but he he wins contested catches and he will fight through contact. His hands are fairly solid. Um, he's a good wide receiver three, wide receiver four. Not quite Auden Tate in size, but that kind of mould. Uh, round six, you've gone offense again, uh, sort of a, a gadgety running back wide receiver hybrid, Demetric Felton from UCLA. Another good name. You're just going on names here. It's the best way to draft, really, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, no, Felton is a guy who he had a really good game against uh, my, my college team, Oregon, uh, 167 yards rushing, two TDs, uh, where he played running back last year since Joshua Kelly left to the Chargers, I believe, last yeah. draft. Uh, he is a guy who you, you don't really know where to put him. Um, he, he looked good at running back this year, but he's under 5'9". He's really small. Again, as we mentioned earlier with Devontae Smith, that under 5'9 just doesn't translate too often. Uh, Maurice Strange-Drew is one of those smaller ones that succeeded, but it's, 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 it's a real tough thing to do at the running back position. He's probably that gadgety guy that you try and force touches to. Um, he can be a kick returner as well, which adds benefit to him. He probably goes a little bit earlier because of that. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's Felton. Uh, we've got a couple of picks in round seven. Um, 
First one you've gone for is Benjamin St. Just. Uh, again, Andrew, <laughs> another quality name. A uh, cornerback from Minnesota. And, I, you know, I do think cornerback will be drafted here. Actually, I, you know, you've seen my mocks and I've been going first rounders. If if I'm trading down, I might be getting a first round cornerback. I mean, and people had a massive go at me about that. But uh, you've gone for a round seven fellow. Yeah, I'm with you in that cornerback talk. Um, there wasn't many here. The, the, the reason I didn't really go earlier, um, there was none of the kind of top 10 guys here as seniors. A lot of them are juniors. So we've gone late. We've got a development guy. Um, this guy was picked for his size rather than his name. He's 6'3", really, really long guy. Um, and he showed that all week, really, just using that length ability to to press, get contact early. Um, he's not the most agile because of that size. Um, so you kind of worry if he can really deal with man, especially with depth as well. His, his long speed is a question. Uh, but in the seventh round, you're taking a guy on this kind of size and hoping you can develop him into a gem. And your final pick. It's a kicker, Andrew. Riley Patterson from Memphis. Talk to me about Riley Patterson. Well, I mean, the first mock draft of the year, if you're not drafting special teams, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious we're going to have some sort of kicking battle this season. Um, I think Seibert's still there, isn't he? I think Bullock's probably gone. Mm. Someone comes in, whether that's free agency or the draft like this. Uh, Patterson's probably me, probably my kicker one, uh, mm. if I'm honest. It's not a position I spend much time looking at. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's normally one that I Google. Uh, Patterson, uh, along with the Lou Groza winner from Miami, are the two main guys. Uh, Patterson comes from that Memphis school, as I mentioned in the article. Jake Elliott, Jos Goskowski, some good talent. Didn't have a great senior year, but the year before he had a really good season. So you kind of hope that you can bring that back out of him after a mm. kind of crazy 2020. Well, Andrew, thank you for coming on and, and talking us through it. Um, it is the season, as I say. It's kind of exciting and fun infuriating i do find the whole kind of chat draft chat quite infuriating uh but also fun as well so it, again it's what you kind of take from it really i think isn't it and if anything i think it's a really good way just to familiarize yourself with the players and the players that might be there the bengals might be looking at and of course there's no guarantee that uh people lose it don't they when when their team doesn't select the players they want because they spent time watching YouTube videos. Um, but, yeah, um, we will get you back uh, a bit later on, Andrew, closer to the draft. Perhaps you'll do another mock draft maybe after free agency and because uh, that's obviously a huge pointer to where they might go in the draft. Um, but for now, Andrew, yeah. thank you very much. Enjoy the Super Bowl. And, thank you. And uh, we will speak soon. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's, it's a weird year for sure. Um, certainly seeing so many opt-outs. It'll be interesting to see how this top 10 kind of pans out. So there we go. That's good old Dockers there. Many thanks to him um, for... The UK's Joe Goodbury. Well, I would say that the UK's Dane Brugler or Daniel Jeremiah. I'd go that far, really, because Joe's sort of semi-retired now, isn't he, uh, from any Bengal stuff. Um, but some interesting picks there. We uh, he went for Devonta Smith in the now, of course. Again, as we kept mentioning, 
the this mock draft was taken from players who only appeared at the senior bowl. So, you know, it's just a, a useful exercise to uh, to round up the senior bowl week and uh Andrew selected Devonta Smith uh in round 1. Levi on Wazarike in round 2. As I said, I'm sure he was just doing this to warm me up. Quinn Meners uh there's some great you've got you know, I know that you're a fan of how about round four's pick uh Ade to combo Ogundeji in round four Des Fitzpatrick uh wide receiver Dimitri Felton the gadget running back wide receiver hybrid Benjamin St Just uh the cornerback in round seven and uh, Riley Patterson the kicker uh, in round seven, initial thoughts on that? Have you got any thoughts on that? Don't know one more. I'd, I'd be very on. happy with Devonta Smith. Very, very, very happy. I think that wide receiver is probably not necessarily the number one thing we need. But when you've got talent like Smith and either him or Chase at five, I really would be up for it. I think it will give us a really strong replacement for AJ Green. Um, pair that with T Higgins and Boyd. I think you'd be set. I think they'd be a, th- a fantastic threesome for a long time to come. So for me, I'm more than up for that. I'm still not buying it. I'm still not getting on the wide receiver first round train. I'm afraid. I think I, I it might change my mind. I might change if my you mind. Got, if you got the level of production out of Chase or Smith that you got from AJ Green though, but I believe AJ Green was picked uh, fifth overall. Correct me. Apologies if I'm wrong, but um, yeah, I mean, would you take that if you knew you'd get one of those one of those yeah, guys? Yeah, I get then? it, like for like, and it's just I just think that the priority has to be um, the trenches this year, and you know, if, to be honest, if Penny Saul's not there, I'm trading down, I think, and going for a cornerback or an edge rusher. Um, I just think they're they're good value wide receivers in rounds two and three and four actually, uh, but we'll come on to that a bit later on. Um, the gut feeling soars there at five. Oh, it is. I mean, again, I see a lot of people kind of. I think someone said the other day if they don't select Saul or Chase at five, there'll be riots, and I think that was just such a ridiculous thing to say. Uh, there wouldn't be rights. You're going to pick up good plays in the draft. Um, I the only thing, the same with Burrow last year. I'm glad we picked Burrow, and it was a no-brainer, really. But I just don't want again to kind of. We don't know what the Bengals want or how they evaluate players or whatever that or what they're thinking. You know, so if if we don't draft Saul or Chase or Devonta Smith. I'm like I'd be okay with it, you know. I'm I'm excited to see what they're going to pick, and I, I would urge everyone out there just to kind of chill a bit, really, and just you know we're going to pick up some good players wherever we draft, you know. So I'm excited by the draft. I'm excited. I'm interested in free agency. I think they are going to go after some uh, offensive linemen in free agency. That's my gut feeling. Well, I guess that yeah. I mean, if they were to spend big money on like a Joe Tooney or someone like that. It would obviously um, like lessen the need to go out there and draft Saul, but I think if he's there at five, irrespective of what you get in free agency, I just think that he would be such good value there, and obviously, um, you know, could anchor that line for a long time to come. So, 
But you know, if they don't address it, and if they don't, if they do, just look at sort of maybe potential sort of rotational type pieces, a bit like a Xavier Suafilo type character to come in. Then I just think that if you don't draft an offensive lineman in the first round, you're asking for trouble in some ways because I think you need like proven players to come in. I think you know. It's, we've been looking to develop players and obviously we've taken punts on people in the draft in the past that haven't worked out. So with the need and if you're looking to play like the Bengals did last year and you're going to get Joe Burrow throwing the ball a lot, 30, 40, 50 times, you need someone to step in pretty quickly. Um, you know, in his first couple of games with a repaired knee, you don't want to sort of bring someone in sort of in the third or fourth round that potentially, you know, could be good in a year's time. It, we need to be good now, you know. So I think there's... Um, something there to consider. So I'm hopeful they'll get at least one quality veteran, be it a guard or be it a tackle yeah. uh, free agency, to sort of not make us desperate for one in rounds one or two. Yeah, I agree. And then, I mean, free agency, it's always the way, isn't it? The Bengals have a habit of signing their own as much as they can, with some notable exceptions, obviously. Um, and also, you know, they splurged last year, which was great. Are they going to do the same again? Perhaps not. Maybe they're going to... It's, I don't know. It's, it's difficult to say that because they're going to have the cap room to have a bit of a splash. But I think it... I, I don't know. You can always you, know you can crazy? always tell where the Bengals are going to go in the draft um, after what they've done in free agency because they tend to, to plug a few holes and um, and then you can kind of get more of a a feel on where they might go in the draft. So I'm, I'm looking forward to free agency first. I'm fascinated by Lawson and William Jackson. I'm fascinated by uh, the offensive line. I'm intrigued by the wide receiver. I, th- I think they might pick up a veteran at some stage. Uh, if, if they don't re-sign Josh Bynes, then we'll be looking for a veteran linebacker as well. You know, who knows? Who knows what might happen? Yeah, I think it's, it definitely is going to be an interesting off-season. Um, I, I wonder how much last season's free agents, um, not particularly... I mean, obviously there's exceptions. Von Bell and Mackenzie Alexander were excellent contributors. But the big money signing, obviously, Trey Waynes, who extraordinarily is on $17 million next year. And he's going to be the highest player on the team. He got paid a lot this off-season. So... He didn't play, and obviously DJ Reader missed a lot of the season, who was our other big money signing. So you just wonder how much that's going to factor into the Bengals' decision moving forward. Is it a great spend of money, or you know, is are they just going to be happy to sort of move forward? Because I think last year was certainly a different approach than we've seen over the past 10 years of actually going out there and signing guys that were in the sort of top of people's lists. Someone like DJ Reader, probably the best nose tackle on the market at the time. Um, so it will be very interesting to see if they are still aggressive. They should have, like you said, the cap room. Certainly they will have more if Geno Atkins moves on. Uh, they're not paying AJ Green's franchise tag as well. Probably won't be franchise tag- tagging anyone. So there will definitely be cap room. Um, and I hope... I really hope they go out there and get one or two guys because then it does really free you up to taste, uh, take the best player available at five. And I think crucially, that's what we want. We want to make sure we're getting a quality talent there. Um, or we're not having to sort of reach for people um, if our number one guy or you know person of a certain position goes off the board. 
Well, uh, I think that's uh, quite a neat segue into our chat with Paul, really, because uh, Paul and I spoke at length about lots of things, but free agency, when things might happen, when things might not, where they might go, where they might not. Uh, so let's bring Paul in, shall we? And as promised, it's one of our favourite journalists. It's one of our favourite guests. He's back. It's Paul Dana Jr. of The Athletic. Paul, welcome back. What's up? How are we doing, Paul? Good. Um, I kind of know how you're doing because you mentioned this off off mic before I press record. Um, if listeners don't know, Paul is a big Everton fan, and yeah. um, which is fitting because Everton are kind of the Premier League Bengals. Like, yeah. Although they have a little, they've had a little, a little more history, a little more su- success in the past, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But in their current state. They're kind of it's just it's mostly frustration. It's mostly just disappointment. <laughs> it's mostly hope that that is instantly well, the moment it blossoms into hope, just crushed into dust. You know, the, ta- that's the just talent's sort of- there, but they're still stuck in that kind of mid table kind of, you know. Well, this year had been so much has been fun. Uh, yeah, I yeah, still am still in an enjoyment of yeah. of this group that Carlo has going and yeah. it's fun to watch. And I love watching Hamas, you know, play like it's it, their whole team is fun. DCL growing up has been really cool. Yeah. Right. I'm totally yeah. like on board with all of that. They're much more enjoyable to watch now than certainly they were before Carlo came and all of that. Until but it's there's but, the, but it, <laughs> until Saturday and it's like, yeah. they do this, right? It's, it's just like, this is chapter one Everton. <laughs> is you 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 build up a little hope and a little excitement you even mentioned the word champions league like you almost on accident right and then that's the moment you just get smoked by newcastle yeah yeah and it's like come on don't do and it's just so disappointing it's so demoralizing no one was hurt everyone was out there yeah, yeah. And you just play like garbage and it sets and you just set yourself back when you're starting to look at the the points mm. are starting to go the wrong way on the table and well, that's it, isn't it? You kind of think if they could have beaten Newcastle, they would have kept in touch with the top four, top five. They would have. So, yeah, you just you can't put yourself behind the eight ball in matches that you should win like that. You Paul, know? why do we support teams that do this to us, please? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And I, I, I just it's so funny. Like I, I use this, you know, for people to follow Premier League talking about the Bengals. I'm like, it's the same thing. It's like you just you got to learn to understand and cope. It's more about understanding how to manage your own emotions and feelings than it is about following the sport. I find you know? it's a more life, lifelike experience, you know, yes. following yes. the Bengals and Everton. Who wants to follow the Patriots or Manchester City or Liverpool? Because no. what's the point of winning all the time? You want some rough you with don't. the smooth, right? Nobody wins all the time. No. Nobody. Well, there's like four people that win all the time. And yeah. the rest of us just take L's. And learn how to just Isn't find it? find the little W's in life that we can find. Exactly. You know? The little glimmers, the little jewels <laughs> that sparkle now and again. <laughs> Isn't it funny, though, that you mentioned that, that the kind of the same four or five teams keep on winning whatever yeah. the sport. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the interesting thing. And that's 
the NFL does a better job than any sport out there. And I, the biggest problem I have with the premier league is the, the, the top six differential yeah. between them and everybody else. Mm. And, and it's how hard it is to crack that. And the NFL dedicates themselves to trying to not let that happen. The problem yeah. that has evolved is it has not run in lockstep with their desire to make it an offensive league. And so as, as the points push has happened by the league and loosening all the rules and making the passing game this explosion, mm. you have turned it into a league that is dominated by the top six quarterbacks now. So the Premier League has the top six spenders and the NFL has the top six quarterbacks. Yeah. And those are the teams that are playing at the end for the most part, unless, you know, runs can be put together by those outside occasionally, but for yeah. the most part, consistently, you are going to see teams that have the quarterback or don't playing at the end or not. And that is case in point Sunday with Tom Brady. The bucks are a legendary awful franchise, right? Like the bucks are the Bengals. They didn't have yeah. fans. They, they couldn't fill the stadium. They lose all the time. They've had laughing stock portions of their franchise. And yet Tom Brady comes down and he brings some of his friends with him because they know wherever Tom goes, he wins. And here he is. Got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> playing in the Super Bowl because even at 43, he's still Tom freaking Brady. Yeah. Uh, and can do it. And if you and if he wouldn't have been it. It had been because he was going up against Aaron freaking Rodgers. Yeah. And it's like the league just only has so many of these guys. I mean, that segues neatly, I guess, into the Bengals. And, uh, you know, everyone's if you don't read Paul on on the athletic and obviously Jay as well, they provide some fantastic content and insight throughout the season. And I know that they have deals on throughout the season. So it really is worth a, a subscribe. So go go and subscribe to the athletic. Um. But it kind of said, you know, you, you, we, you reported on Joe Burrow throughout the season. Do the Bengals have one of those quarterbacks, do you think, now? Has he got the potential to? Well, he certainly has the potential. You can yeah. undoubtedly see it. You can see the path. You can see the skill set. You see the way that as a kid, I mean, you know, a rookie without any preseason or camp or offseason, yeah. he was, you know, was he the, better the, than what, you expected him to be? No, uh, maybe a little. I, mm. I was, you know, I, I was worried about how the physical traits would translate mentally, leadership, mm. all that stuff. He's off, you know, he's off the charts, you know. I mean, mm. his his brain out there is like watching Justin Herbert's arm, right? I mean, nice. you know, they're just it just it shocks you a little bit if you know what you're watching. Mm. And that is the thing that stuck out to me was the nervousness of okay, is is his okay arm strength going to be okay enough is, you know, is all, is the processing skills and the way he shined at LSU going to translate to the NFL, you know, is his pocket presence ability, which is so rare going to mm. translate against faster rushers that can go and do that. And, you know, it did, it did. And, and, the game is moving that way anyway. I mean, the way LSU was playing, the way the college game unfolds now is married up with the NFL at this point. I mean, they kind of do a lot, so much of the same stuff that it's much easier, I think, to pinpoint who will succeed on the next level from college and because right. the skills are much more translatable than they used to be. And even especially now, you know, the mobile the rise of the mobile quarterback. I mean, that's been a staple of college football for 
ever. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, you're now seeing even that is becoming more of a thing. And so, you know, yeah, I think definitely uh, it, it, it was better in that sense. What was remarkable to me, and I did a story mid season talking to all the coaches about their favorite plays from the first half. And I was, I was stunned at how open they were and how much I learned about Mm. what really has was making Joe Burrow great just by them talking about what their favorite moments were because it it pinpointed why they thought he was really developing. And I mean, there was one where they talked about a play where the second time they played the Browns and he literally sees the two corners talking on a concept that he audible to like real quick. He audibles up the two corners talk. He realizes instantly they're talking about it because we did this on a fourth down in the first game. So he puts up another audible to the counter of that. Boom, boom. And if you watch it, it happens quick. It happens literally like I just did it. Boom, boom. He does two audibles mm-hmm. when he sees him talking. And the second one, and it spins the corner onto his butt almost because he's running towards the first move and they run the counter. And the guy, I forget who it was, Mike Thomas, I think, is or Tyler Boyd is sprinting up the seam untouched. Mm. And it's like he has that he has that instant recall and understanding of the game that is what makes guys like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning so great, despite them not being physical freaks like you see out there. And that's mm. who Burrow, you know, is hoping to kind of follow in the footsteps of. It was fun to watch that evolve because that needs experience to be a truly powerful weapon. And as he developed experience over the course of the year, that's when you saw the Bengals offense really start to take off. And so I think that's where your excitement level is with Burrow in a very long-winded way. Um, things I think everyone agrees with you and that, that article in particular was, was terrific because it kind of educated us a lot as well as to, you know, as fans, we can shout and holler at the screen. Oh, he missed that pass or why didn't he pass there? Or why didn't he look there? And, but it just gives you a real breakdown of, of, of what it takes to just for a a successful play to happen. And there's much more to it than just passing a football to a receiver, right? It's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of moving parts there. This year is a bit different. Um, We don't need a quarterback all being well, hopefully touching wood and Joe's going to be healthy for the new season. Um, And there's a lot of chat about the draft quite naturally. Um, I know that you particularly enjoyed doing mock drafts and all the rest of it. Um, <laughs> um, but I wanted to talk to you about the off-season, really. Um, there's a few things that's going to crop up. Um, AJ's probably going to leave. I would, you know, I think everybody's resigned to that, really, and, and actually agrees with that as well. Gino's quite possibly, you know, so you're looking at the cornerstones of that kind of 2010 te- 2010s team, I should say, is now pretty much fully broken up and that is properly the Zach Taylor era now. Um, can you give us a little bit of a timetable in terms of what you expect to happen when uh, it might happen this off season? Yeah. You know, I think they're going to want to, you know, we're, everyone's waiting to hear what the cap's going to end up. And that's mm. in, in most years, that's an afterthought in this year. I mean, it's a big deal because it, you know, nobody really knows the except the floor has been set at 175. Of course, it was at 198 last year. It could end up anywhere in that range. And that is a big difference in what you can and can't do for a lot of teams. What will and won't be available in terms of other teams having to make cuts because they don't have room. Uh, so the thought is it's going to end up in the 180s, probably low 180s. Um, so if, if that is what happens, then once you have that, 
um, you can set a little bit more of your plans. But what we'll see is, you know, we'll see probable cuts that will happen before the league year. The league year will turn over March 17th, I think, mm-hmm. mid-March. And so, you know, we're there's no combine this year. They're doing it in a very different pro days, essentially mm-hmm. glorified pro days, um, lots of Zoom stuff. So the combine was always very much a marker of chances for teams to really start mixing it up on information, uh, trades, cuts, things like that. You start really pinpointing what you can and can't do. That will be done differently. Uh, probably a lot of the same things will get done, I would imagine, but um, mm. we'll see. Um, so you won't have a lot of that very open stuff. So you'll get you'll 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 see the cuts happen. I mean, that's what will happen next. Is you know, I think the Geno decision is probably first on deck. I mean, you've got to if you're gonna make that move, you need to know before you figure out how much you have to spend. I mean, it's a ten million dollar cap space nugget that you can have or not. Mm. Um, all senses that they will move on, you know, that it's the best in both parties that I I think everybody sees that's the move that should happen. Now this is the Bengals. So it's not always the move that happens because there are things like sentimental value that matter here and things like, you know, the want to have a guy, you know, finish here and give him every chance to show he can do it. AKA AJ green last year, you know, they Mm. want to give the guy that's been a legend here every chance. And if you're going to give benefit of the doubt and say, Oh, last year was because of Gino's injury with his shoulder. And then you can do that. I, Mm. I have said this, and and this is what I'll say on the Gino decision to me, even if you take 2020 off the map, pretend it didn't even happen for him, um, which it basically didn't, but pretend Mm. it didn't. And you only know, who he had been in 17, 18, and 19. The money on his contract flipped this year. This would have been the year that you would you would move on from him. Yeah. You're making you're you're getting $10 million in value that you can get more than what Gino was giving you on a depreciating scale over the course of mm-hmm. those years. Throw in 2020, and I think it should be an easy decision. We there's no, it's not decided that it's going to happen yet, but that will happen first. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will decide, you know, you that's the biggest part of how much extra money maybe you have. You'll trim a few extra pieces here and there, BJ Finney, and probably a few other small things. Um, I don't know if they'll do Bobby Hart yet. They will at some point. Um, but they may want to wait until they secure his successor and then yeah, then they'll pocket six million from him. Mm. Then you'll get into free agents. So free agency will hit and they will you know, they'll pinpoint their targets. They'll see they're in they're gonna be in discussions with William Jackson and Carl Lawson. My thought is both of those guys are gonna want to hit the market and see mm. what happens. They're the idea of the Bengals putting an offer out to them, even if it's a good one, and them saying, you know what, yeah, I'm just going to take that and not even going to see. I've come this far, mm-hmm. and I'm not even going to see what anybody else has to say and if anybody else will top it. Um, I don't necessarily see happening. Um, so I, I my, my guess is they'll be in that mix mm-hmm. um, with everybody else at the beginning of free agency, and then the Bengals will try to come up with, you know, 30 – to 40 million dollars worth of players um and at that first wave i would think uh whoever that is whether it's their guys whether it's a mix of other guys Mm. but i would think that's probably about where they end up in free agency now um do you expect both of them or one of them i mean it's very difficult to predict i know but i mean these guys are you know 
in their respective positions, they're up there in terms of talent, really, in this free agency class. So they're going to be commanding some big dollar, you would expect. Yeah, you know, it's it's harder this year. Mm. You don't know how aggressively teams are going to spend when you get past the top, top tier. The bottom line is, though, people want pass rushers and people want corners. Mm. And in this free agent market, I mean, they're amongst the best. Mm. People will pay for that. And I think that you'll see that market evolve, and that's going to be the problem is, you know, the Bengals are going to do what they always do. They're going to place a value on a player, and they're willing to pay that value. Their value is typically higher on their own guys. Mm. But if other teams are willing to go farther, they're not going to follow it. Mm. They're going to stick to their valuation. And if that, if they don't want, if they want to go elsewhere, if they can get more money elsewhere, good for them. We'll spend this money on what we can get for this value. That's how they're going to operate it. And, and I, you know, I get a sneaking suspicion that at least one of those guys is going to find more value elsewhere. Yeah. You know um, I would say, I would say I'd be more likely to see them bring back Carl Lawson. Mm. Um, I, I don't see them signing both. Mm. It can't happen, but I just don't see that. Not even um, tagging Jackson or franchise tagging. Jackson. No, that'd be too expensive. I mean, yeah, you're up, yeah, yeah. you're up really high at that point. I yeah, mean, you're, yeah. you know, cornerback tag is way more than you would be paying him, even in a deal that mm. you couldn't refuse. Yeah. So I don't, I don't see them tagging him for one year. Um, I don't see them using the tag this year mm. um, because it would be on Lawson or and mm. both edge, you know, rushers and corner tags are very high. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't see them doing that. You never know, but I just don't see that happening. Um, again, if anybody reads Paul on The Athletic, you've been extolling the virtues recently of picking up battle-hardened, experienced, offensive line. Everyone wants offensive linemen. Everyone has pegged Penny Saul in the draft already, which is always a danger to me. But anyway, uh, whatever player, unless it's Joe Burrow last year. Um you really have been arguing for picking up experienced offensive linemen who know what the score is, who know their onions, who can just slot in, plug in and play. Um, can you just go over that argument real quick for people yep. perhaps who haven't seen that or, or, or think it is all about drafting guys uh, at those sort of tackling guard positions? Yeah. And I don't, I'm not against even drafting, you know, if Sewell or Rashawn Slater are there at five, still pulling the trigger, even if you go and get experienced guys, you can't have too many at this point. Hmm. Like, you know, that number five pick to me, I take position out of it and just find somebody who can be great. And if, you know, even if you've spent a little bit in free agency, I don't care. You're, you're not going to get criticized for having two offensive linemen on the athletic. I can tell you that much. Uh, so here's the thing. I mean, if there was ever a time to stop betting on development, one, they haven't been good at it. Okay. I mean, let's just look at the track record of drafting offensive linemen in recent years. It's gone poorly. Okay. Everything is at stake with it. Everything is at stake. Your relevancy, Joe Burrow's knee, uh, you know, everything you have to be better there. The other thing is you are just far better having five guys who you know will be average or about to above average than you are having three superstars and two guys who stink that the weakest link is the problem on the offensive line not the strength of your best you need to have 
And the only way you can guarantee that at this point, because are you willing to go through another year of growing pains on the offensive line, even with Sewell, even with Slater? And that's fine. Like those guys, maybe you're willing more to plug and play. Like we saw every of, of those top four offensive tackles that were taken last year played right away. Mm some to varying degrees of success. Ask the Giants how plugging third overall pick Andrew Thomas went at left tackle. It was a disaster, okay? You don't know for sure. And so you're taking a risk. You're taking a chance. There is far less risk in getting guys you know what they're doing on the offensive line, and this team needs that, particularly with the way that they have misevaluated offensive linemen and the fact that they just need to plug that right side up with something more solid. Mm. You know, you can take all those other pieces, your Xavier Sufilo, Michael Jordan, if you bring back Quentin Spain, whatever, have them all and put the best of that group in at left guard or whatever. Find an experienced guard, you know what he's doing. Find an experienced tackle who knows what he's doing. Put those guys in there. And Jonah Williams at left tackle. And, and, and it's not about getting Taylor Moten or Joe Tooney or any of the top, top guys that are going to cost $15, $16 million. Feel free to go get one of those. Get the, the best player that you could possibly get that has experience in this league to come in there where you know what you're going to get and be solid up front. Because mm. with the rest of the pieces, if you give Burrow something solid and consistent, you now have a super dynamic o- offense. You mm. just can't have these massive holes in your line mm. and, and have another half a season of learning go on up front as they try to figure out how the NFL works. So to me, and then you can, and then you can use all the rest of your assets towards fixing the defense and whatever other positions you want to. But when it comes to that, that's where your money should go. It's where the experience should be. It's what the offensive line is about is guys that know what's going on and you know what you're getting in them. I I think we saw that in glimpses last, what the offense could be in glimpses last year. There were several games, you know, in that sort of mid part of the season, just before Burrow got injured, where the, the offense was just kind of cutting people to ribbons. And you mm. saw when the offensive line, again, in glimpses, could hold their own in pass protection, gave Burrow an extra second or two, that's when it's deep trouble. And I think I think I agree. You know, it's you've got to get that line sorted out. Do you get the impression from you know, being, you know, talking to the Bengals that this is something they are finally going to do. This is something that they're actually committed to doing, to fixing that line properly, not band-aids or anything like that, not kind of cheap free agents, but actually getting quality on that line. Well, I mean, that plan is not in, I mean, the full off-season plan is not together yet. Those conversations are ongoing. I mean, they went down, they got their coaches taken care of and figured that whole situation out. They, they, planned for mobile and the senior bowl to be ready for that, to evaluate those guys started meeting Mm -hmm. with personnel. They come back now from mobile and now they really start putting the whole picture together of what they see out there. And you'll learn that, but there is a desire for that. Mm -hmm. I think that now, whether that ends up vetting as the, the end all be all plan, there are a ton of important people in that building that want that to be the end. That doesn't mean it, it doesn't always end up that way, even if everybody wanted that to be the case, because free agency falls different way and your plan B or plan C, you know, needs to be solid and in place as well. And that can involve, all right, well, I guess 
we know we'll get Sewell or Slater at five, and that's totally cool by us. Yeah. Um, and that's got to be part of your solution if you if if these guys choose to go elsewhere. It happens. You're yeah. not always going to get your top free agent targets. You're just not, yeah. and you don't want to be overpaying every year. They did last yeah. year um, because they kind of had to, and it obviously didn't work out well, but mostly because of injury. But you know, you you end up kind of in a situation where you don't want to be overpaying, and so you 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 got to have other options available. But yes, I mean, I think that is if they had their druthers, I think that's the way it would end up. It just it doesn't always end up that way. No. Um, you've already been very generous with your time. Um, you honestly, one of those people that I wish we were in the Admiralty now again, just having a pint, yeah. just chatting away. <laughs> Me too. Uh, right. Yeah. Pubs would be very welcome at this moment in time. Um, I've just got two real quick things to ask you about. Um, the uniforms. Oh, I know. I, I know, thought okay. you'd never ask, Paul. No, 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 no. I've got a point about this. I do have a <laughs> okay. genuine point. Okay. Um, you know, who knows what they're going to do? And it's, it is kind of exciting. But you and Jay discussed on here that podcast growling and, uh, and I think Jay and his mailbag as well. No, you did as well in your roundup last week on The Athletic. Um, you're, you, when you came over to London, you were quite surprised at the amount of people when you asked why, why on earth the Bengals? Why would you put yourself through that? Um, and a lot of people would answer the same way I did. And that is, it's the helmets. It's the uniforms. Mm. Um, when you started to support Everton, was that something similar? Or did you have a connection to Liverpool or the club? Or I'm just interested. It, it, it is interesting to me why someone 5,000 miles away would su- start supporting a team. For us, it was the uniforms. For you, for Everton, why was that? Uh, well... I, I wanted to start getting into having a soccer team to follow and I wanted whoever was scoring the most goals. Like I was like, I just want to see scoring. I just want to see high scoring games. I don't, I want them to have bad defense so that they can, I don't care. Like I just, I wanted to see five, four, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, I was yeah. totally on board with that at the time. This was, you know, gosh, seven, eight years ago, they had a young Lukaku and Barkley together coming up. They were Roberto Martinez had them going. They mm. were, I think they finished team, fifth. Yeah. I think yeah. they finished fifth. And, but they had, they just, you know, I loved those two guys. Mm. I loved watching them play when they were young and they were, they were exciting. Mm. And I was like, all right, that's the team. And I, but I didn't, I'm like you, I didn't want one of the big, I didn't want one of the big six. So I was yeah, looking yeah, yeah. for a fun, exciting scoring team that was not in the big six. And so after some research of talking to people who knew what the hell they were talking about, they pointed me towards Everton and, and that year they were that. Yeah. And ever since then, they've, they've not necessarily been that, but it's, but I was like, but I locked onto the team and then, and then they had uniforms with collars and I was totally on board with that. Why we've gotten rid of uniforms with collars. I don't know. I want them back. I want, I want the old throwback, Everton jersey with the white collar is what I yeah. is, is what I truly need. Um, well, so that was Bengals if there was a uniform element to it, it I did enjoy the collars, but th- that wasn't the primary reason no. I chose them. Well, same as me, I started uh, supporting the Bengals a because the uniforms are B because Boomer was slinging it all over the place. And they looked like a great team to watch. Got to the Super Bowl, and then the nineties happened. Yeah, can you, you imagine that? Your timing thing? was really poor. Oh, it has been said before, <laughs> and uh, I demonstrated it again. Um, I mean, maybe we should lobby the Bengals to bring collars onto their uniform. Oh, that's, that's, that's what I'm gen- saying. Bringing collars the gen- to the NFL games would be a game changer. It'd be revolutionary. The, the gentleman football team. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, 
And finally, the Super Bowl. Do you get hyped for the Super Bowl? We're often used to seeing you down there at Super Bowls. Yeah. Um, it's a very different experience for you in the lead up. It must be an intense time. Uh, and yeah, you know, this, this year is a bit different, isn't it really? But do you get hyped for it at all still? Uh, a little bit. I mean, yeah. we're, I'm so in the off season mode at this point, not person. I mean, with coverage that it's honestly, I mean, and shoot, look at this weekend, like the Stafford golf trade was this massive blockbuster. One of the biggest ones we've yeah. seen in forever. I mean, we haven't even had the Super Bowl yet. Everybody is the whole league has moved on. Like nobody yeah. is even. It's almost like the Super Bowl has become this afterthought because people love the off season so much, yeah. and there's yeah. so much wheeling and dealing that happens at this point that um, you know, it's almost like oh yeah, I guess there the the that whole Super Bowl thing's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, you know, it feels like a Patrick Mahomes coronation, and I should never say that, and you should never bet against Tom Brady, but the Chiefs are just so scary good when they yeah, want to be. Absolutely. Um, I think it'll be a fun game to watch. Um, you know, I'm, I don't get as amped up about it, you know, just because you see a lot of them. I would, I would have been more excited for the Packers winning. I, w I wanted to see Rodgers and Mahomes yeah, that would go have been, at it yeah. and those two offenses go at it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and not that this won't be fun too, but I just, and Brady's back again. It's like, I, it's <laughs> how many times do we have to see this show know, and not that it's not greatness, not that he's not the goat and all those things. Like that's fine. Fantastic. I've just, we've seen these storylines so many times it's almost even in even now that he's in tampa it's just it's kind of a little bit exhausting yeah. and mahomes is almost becoming exhausting yeah he's great he's gonna be there forever yeah. he's gonna be the super bowl every year possibly too like the chiefs are ridiculous i get it you know so there's not i kind of like new chances for got you yeah. know teams and guys maybe tampa bay you're excited for a franchise to get one but mm. um I, I like a lot of new pieces to be in there. It's not really that this year. No, agreed. Agreed. Let's mix it up a bit. Paul, thank you so much for the time. I know we've gone on for a little while longer than expected, but thank you so much as ever. And for your support over the years, of course, we will speak to you next year. And again, if you don't subscribe to the athletic, what are you doing? Please do uh, again, check with Paul and Jay on Twitter because they'll, uh, tell you about all the offers that's coming up but it is really well worth it so uh yeah and our premier league coverage is fantastic too yeah absolutely we've got it's all those guys the they crush it over there um mm. you know my, my guys at everton o'keefe and patty boylan man they keep me they keep me in the loop and we've got like i'm covering every team our i think our leads writer has become like the, mo the like he gets more subscriptions than anybody in our entire this leads fan base is insane like they just yeah. they can't get enough of the the stuff we have over there so uh it's cool to watch the connectivity. You know, yeah. you guys see it in doing it from the other angle, but it's been cool, you know, for me to watch us as a company expand into the UK and mm. it becomes such a huge deal over there. And mm. our, our, you know, cause I think the world in sports world is so connected now and you guys know it more than anybody. Like it's, you know, there's no th this whole old idea of like, oh, the Premier League that happens over here and this it we all feel like we're right there at our fingertips. So like there's no reason it shouldn't all be under one umbrella like, you know, and so it's like that's why I like about yeah. the athletic is, you know, you you can have your foot, your Premier League coverage. You can hit, have your NFL coverage, your NBA, your NHL all under one thing because we're all under one thing you know mm. i mean it is everybody i'm not just a sports fan of the Bengals. i like five six seven different things and i you know the idea of having just kind of one thing to pay for it uh is why i like it otherwise 
I don't know how much I'd be able to read about Everton, you know, <laughs> I need it. Well, um, perhaps at least for my sadness. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Maybe you need a break after the Newcastle uh, game. But anyway, <laughs> let's hope they get back on track. There you go. Paul, thank you so much again. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, stay safe over there. Have a good one. Well, there we go. That was the brilliant Paul Dana Jr. Uh, Long time listeners will know that he's been on the podcast. You know, I think that was his sixth time, maybe. And uh, many thanks to Paul for his time. It's the thing with people like Paul. You always say, yeah, look, man, 15, 20 minutes max. No worries. We were probably on for about three quarters of an hour, all all told. He is one of those guys that, you know, once you get into a conversation with him, you, you think, as I said, you know, it'd be great to kind of have a beer with him again down the Admiralty as we did a couple of years ago. And again, he was on the money, wasn't he, with you discussed before. He's a big advocate of signing proven, experienced uh, offensive linemen in free agency, then drafting for uh, unless they're outstanding players and prospects. But first and foremost, let's get some proven guys on that offensive line because it's suddenly the level goes up. The, the risk level comes down a little bit. Uh, and he as he said, you know, frankly, they haven't been good at, at selecting and developing offensive linemen in the past, you know. And I'm, I'm down with that, I have to say. I'm really down with it. Yeah, I completely agree. And you look at that offensive line at the moment, the one guy that we did draft that we need to see more from is Jonah Williams. I mean, we talk about developing him. Obviously, a very, very talented guy. He's a top 10 pick. Um, missed his entire rookie season and missed a fair chunk of the second season. So when he has played, he's looked fairly good. But obviously going into his third year, you really hope that if there's one guy that Frank Pollock can develop and can get the most out of it is him. But I completely agree with Paul. I think there needs to be one guy that comes in on that line in the offseason that at the very least is a sort of competent to above average um, starter that you can probably, you know, you can plug in because I'm not convinced in any way that someone like a Michael Jordan is going to take a, a massive leap forward. Um, so I think that we need to, you know, Bobby Hart. But I mean, I think Bobby Hart, and I know, and I mean, Paul made the point about not developing. I think he has got better. Um, whether or not he's a, a sort of the sort of level of right tackle you'd ideally want, um, I'm not sure. But certainly to bring in some depth at the very least of like someone with, you know, that's played, started around the league. Um, is needed, I believe, because otherwise, you know, even if you did get Saul at five, he's still a rookie. He didn't play last year in college. So you're taking a guy that, you know, is going to probably plug in and start straight away um, in the NFL that hasn't played a college game for a year. So I do think that there's a big need for some for some proven veteran depth on that line. One uh, pundit compared Penny Saul to Anthony Munoz when he came out of college and... Uh... Not a bad comparison. Not bad at all. Uh, but then again, you get Daniel Jeremiah in his first mock draft. He He's taking uh, Slater above Saul. So, you know, you, you pay your money, you take your chances, don't you, really? I think we we didn't talk to Dockers about Saul, and, and Dockers is a huge fan of Penny Saul. And, uh, but lots of interesting things from Paul there. I, I'm, a, I'm a bit worried, actually, Um that they won't be able to sign either Carl Lawson or William Jackson or both because, as we mentioned in the chat there with Paul, both of those guys in their respective position groups are rated as pretty much the top player. Um, so they will go and test the market and they will get, you know, the, the value of their positions 
is such that they will get offered some big dough. And I'm not sure whether the Bengals want to sign. But then again, we have the cap room to sign one of those. And as Paul said, it's probably going to be too expensive to franchise tag William Jackson. And that's probably something that they don't want to do. Um, so I do think it is either or. Um, so that that's a really interesting one to watch. Yeah, I, I don't think you could justify tagging Jackson. You just have so much money at that point tied up in the cornerback position. You talked about, or we talked about Trey Waynes and the $17 million you were giving him. You'd have to give um, Jackson a huge chunk of that. And they're both good players, but... I don't think any either of them are a top five in their position um, in the NFL, and I think to commit that much money to cornerback when you know you're not, pro- you, I'd, I'd argue that neither were neither of them were top ten corners in the league. So I think that you'd be massively overspending um, if you were to tag him. Um, but you know, it's like you said, what I think factor into a lot of this is: do those guy are those guys? At home in Cincinnati, are they convinced by the project? Do they really think that the Bengals are going to win in the next couple of years? And, you know, it is difficult. If an L.A. franchise or a New York franchise comes in offering big money or, you know, somewhere where there's lower state taxes or better weather or, you know, they've got family there already or they're from there, it's, it's going to be a difficult um, battle financially. But I'm hopeful we can get both back. They're both good players. They're both got potential to improve in the future certainly Carl Lawson he's one of those guys that you know at the start of his career missed a few games obviously great potential um and I'd love to see him sort of continue with a better O-line uh sorry a better O-line a better D-line around him where he could really cause some prayer um cause havoc and hopefully get above that 10 sack mark yeah we will see um right let's let's move on um got some things to tell you about again we've been um chatting about this and uh, talking about what we might want to do during the off-season. We have some things lined up. So we're going to have our Super Bowl uh, tailgate, online tailgate on Sunday. And then for the next four weeks, we're going to be doing something called the Lockdown Combine Challenge, which is uh, every week we're going to be issuing you a uh, Combine-style challenge and uh, we want you guys to send in your videos of you taking on that challenge. So think of it as a cross between the Combine and Taskmaster. And uh, We're going to be asking you stuff like, uh, we want you to video yourself doing a 40-yard dash or a bench press. And it could be ridiculous. You might want to wear some ridiculous costume doing your 40-yard dash. You might want to bench press your pets, for instance, or whatever. Uh, Obviously, we don't want you to put yourself at risk in any way, shape or form. So if you haven't got uh, access... I disagree with that. I think we want want our listeners to put themselves at extreme risk. No, no, I'm talking about COVID lockdown risk here. uh, We don't want you mixing with people if you have to uh, because of this. But if you do have an open space near you and you like to go for a run or whatever, why not do a 40-yard dash and get your, your partner or your mate... Uh, or family member to record it and send it to us. Maybe you want to uh, photograph or video your kids doing these challenges. So basically for four weeks leading up to what would have been the combine, but of course the combine is not really existing in its in its traditional form this year, um, we're going to be asking you to do four challenges starting from after the Super Bowl. We're also going to be uh, having a live mock draft sometime in March, so stay tuned for that. 
We're going to have some weekly quizzes every Sunday night and then we're going to have some more watch parties throughout the, the summer. So um, there's lots to... And we might have the, even the odd uh, off-season uh, online tailgate to keep you... And it's all about keeping you entertained, keeping you engaged, keeping you uh, contacting us. And, um, yeah, so um, we that's our plan, really. We've got plenty of stuff lined up and hopefully you can... Uh, get. It's all designed, really, for you to get involved as well. Um, so... Watch out for the stuff starting this weekend with the Super Bowl online tailgate. What do you think, Nathan? It's more more entertainment than Netflix are putting out at the moment, so I think. <laughs> I'm banking on the fact that everyone has watched pretty much everything on Netflix, so they will <laughs> uh, uh, tune into our stuff. So, yeah, uh, stay tuned. Um, we've got some good stuff coming up. So let's get to your correspondences. I put it out there that it's Super Bowl week. What are you looking forward to? What's your favourite Super Bowl? All that kind of stuff. A few people have have, have got back in uh, contact with us. Jess, aka Mrs. Obvious, at Jess Ellis Conley. Hello, Jess. Happy New Year to you and the captain. I have worked this year as usual. I do enjoy catching bits of the commercials as well as the football, but I read this year Budweiser, uh, Coke and Pepsi are donating ad money to COVID relief efforts. I was also touched to hear they sent a bunch of vaccinated nurses to the game, and and as did I, and I think that was a really nice gesture. Um, you sent some nurses to the game? Vaccinated <laughs> nurses, uh, Nathan. Um, and, of course, Jess is a nurse, so uh, we tip our hat to Jess, thank her for her hard work over there. And uh, I know that she's been vaccinated twice now, so she is fully vaxxed up and ready to go uh so we wish her well um um let's have a look memphis soul stew at stuart baird 688 best super bowl 23 for the first 59 minutes don't worry too much about sleep as you can catch up at work well yes that super bowl obviously the bengals 49ers the second bengals 49ers uh game there the first Super Bowl that I watched in its entirety. The first real game that I got introduced to Bengals Heartbreak. Uh, it was memorable for so many different reasons. You know, kind of Crumrise horrific broken leg. Bengals somehow managed to, even though they weren't firing on all cylinders offensively, you know, they somehow managed to stay in that game. Looked as though they were going to win it. Lewis Billups dropped an absolute stone-cold interception on that drive from Joe Montana. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, really. And uh, I do urge you to go back, actually, and listen to the podcast that we did with Sam White uh, a year or so ago. Because, um, yeah, you know, it's uh, he went through that Super Bowl game and and told us... Uh, about uh, what it was like on the sideline, the decisions that he wished he'd made. Um, it was fascinating stuff. But yeah, um, it, was, it wasn't It was a classic Super Bowl in terms of quality play because it was a bit of a defensive slugfest, which no one was really expecting. But the the climax was, was really quite something, really. Uh, Richard Dixon at Lord Rixendale. Solid handle. Uh, Super Bowl tips. Book the Monday off work, obviously. 
If you drink, stick to lower alcohol session drinks. Eat, but not to excess. And avoid junk. Virtually chat with friends. All good, I think. All sound advice there. Finally, have a bet on a player's performance. If the game is crap, at least you can focus on that. You're, I'm not a gambler, and I urge people, obviously, to uh, to gamble responsibly. Um, you are, though. You like a little flutter, don't you? Yeah, now, now and again. <laughs> yeah. Um, wise words from the Lord there, do you think? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I, normally, I'm not a big fan of player gambling. It's a bit... I mean, it's, it's a bit like fantasy football. It, sort of make, it does make the game more interesting, obviously, if you're not that fi- uh, focused on the outcome. So, you know, if you're not interested in... Um, I mean, obviously, there's not much money to be made just betting on either team. So, certainly, if you fancy... Um, you know, a flutter on a certain, like over a certain amount of yards or certain t- first touchdown score or something like that. It keep you keep you nice and entertained. But yes, it's, it's almost like remarkably sensible, uh, sensible advice from Lord Rixendale. Indeed, remarkable from the Lord there. He's obviously had a, a a moment of clarity, one of very few for the Lord in his red wine uh, fugue state. Um, Jamie at Trequart Beast says, so I'm a big fan of the no cap caffeine slap approach. And we'll have a knockout coffee pre-game. My favourite Super Bowl was the Giants knocking off the unbeaten Patriots. I cheered Eli Manning's winning TD pass so loud that a Pats fan hit me. I'm not surprised because, (laughs) you know, Pats fans can get very gnarly once they, uh, you know... Once they lose, really. I'm so to be fair, we didn't mention that earlier. That is so nice. I'm so glad they didn't go undefeated the Patriots that year. They, they, yeah. The Giants really did everyone a favour with that, didn't they? They did. Thanks to Eli. And finally, Peter Brook at Brook underscore Pete. Pre-game traditionally meet up with the former teammates for a Chinese banquet, but not this year. <laughs> I rarely book Monday off, to be honest. I usually get to halftime and make a judgment call, although if the halftime acts are garbage, it's tough. My fave Super Bowl is still 23, even though we lost. Um, who's who's doing the halftime show this year? Can you... Do you know? I don't know, actually, no. OK, thanks. Good. Um, <laughs> Done my research for tonight. I know, yeah. Um... I don't know who it is. I mean, the the Janet Jackson nip slip was probably the best halftime show, I think, wasn't it? Maroon 5 was the worst. He had plenty of nip. Didn't he have plenty of nip on show? Old uh, Wasses Chops from Maroon 5. I don't know, so you're asking the wrong man. Um, I'm don't looking you at Maroon 5. It is The Weekend. Ah, The Weekend. My favourite band named after days um i've never heard them in my life to be honest with you well, there we go. <laughs> That's brilliant end to the podcast brilliant energy there from both of us <laughs> we, we can't end the podcast without talking about the blockbuster trade that sent that is true the sod the halftime show and sod the super bowl we're over it now um, it's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? I, I couldn't. It's I insane. The Rams. The Rams are in. The, the, their approach to like sort of the front office is mental. 
Like they're not going to have had a, they've not got a first round pick now. I think until twenty twenty four, they've not had one. I don't think since they took Jared Goff originally. So you're literally nearly going like ten years. I think it's about eight or nine years without a first round pick. And they are just, they just go out there, don't they? Just land the best players they can in free agency, spend crazy amounts of money. And you just wonder, like, I don't know if they're just trying to sort of hit Aaron Donald's window or, you know, keep the same with Jalen Ramsey, but so aggressive. It is, and I think that's to be applauded because apparently they went knocking on Green Bay's door for Aaron Rodgers as well. They're not messing around. Um, I think... I try to work it out, and I still can't work it out. Who who were the winners and losers in this trade? Because the Rams obviously had moved on from Jared Goff. Uh, he's a he's he's a bit Dalton esque, isn't he? He will win you games, Jared Goff. But is there a question to be asked about? You know, will he take you all the way? Even though he did get them to a Super Bowl. Um. So you know, I think first of all, I think Jared Goff is disrespected a little bit actually for what he's done uh i but saying that i don't think he's an amazing quarterback um matthew stafford he's never had a fantastic team around him i really like watching matthew stafford play i still think in the big games and the big moments he can be very inconsistent he puts up great numbers and great stats fantastic arm so much fun to watch but he's never really had a great team around him, let's face it. And he will have a much better team, much better offensive line. You know, Cam Akers looks as though he's going to make a breakthrough year next year at running back. They've got a great defence. So everything is there for him to succeed. And I think a lot of people have been saying, if they, they've paid so much for Stafford um, that it's got to be Super Bowl or bust, really. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And they, they gave away two first-round picks, which is obviously insane. They gave away, I believe they gave away, didn't they give away two for Jalen Ramsey as well? Yeah. So, I mean, they really mortgaged everything on this sort of team in its sort of current state. So, it'll be interesting. I mean, Stafford, certainly the one question mark you'd have on him is he's got absolutely no proven success at all in the playoffs. Um, you know, he hasn't won a game in the playoffs. And he's not made a deep run. So there's a big question mark there. But he Stafford's got a house in LA. Uh, he's good mates with Clayton Kershaw. He will be relishing the chance to sort of go and work with Sean McVeigh. Um, obviously, on the other side of the ball, he's never really had a great defence in Detroit. He's going to get a great one in Los Angeles. So I question sometimes. The, I mean, I know Cam Akers is a fairly good player and Robert Woods isn't bad. But... That offense is not incredible. The offensive line's taken a bit of a step back. Whitworth, you know, surely he can't see, keep playing at the level he's been playing at at his age. So I just wonder how, you know, they've certainly not got much room in the draft or I'd imagine from a cap perspective to go and bring in any particular sort of bigger weapons around him. So it'd be interesting to see how he does with that. But certainly you'd have to say that the Rams have positioned themselves as a sort of top three, top five favorite for the you know the nf sort of the super bowl next year so it'll be very very interesting and on the other side of that detroit well they've got a hell of a draft now with all those first round picks coming in over the next couple of years but they've obviously had to take on jared goff's gigantic contract so i'd be surprised if goff did too long there um but yeah it's certainly good for the new head coach to have those picks and to be able to build what he wants to build Mm. i think it's a score draw actually if you're asking whether 
you know, which team or club won that trade. I do think, you know, the Rams have got a better quarterback that could take them to the promised land. Uh, Detroit get an absolute treasure chest of, of of drafts and a starting quarterback that has won a lot of games in this yeah. uh, league. So I do think it's a score draw, actually. Uh, and yeah. of course, we we are, we're approaching Deshaun Watson season as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff going on immediately after the Super Bowl and in the, in the lead up to the turnover of the year in sort of I don't know early to mid March. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. I think so. Hard to know how anyone can put up the capital really for Watson. I really think that's hard to see how they could you know potentially do that. Um, but we will see. The, the other thing just last, we talked about Aaron Rodgers and about how Los Angeles tried to prize him away. Really bizarre pick from the Packers, wasn't it, to go and get that Jordan Love in the draft. Put a first-round uh, pick on him, and yeah. he may well be a good player. Like, I mean, there's no knock on Jordan Love at all. It's hard to know really what they've got with him. But you just think Green Bay are, were on the verge. They're in the title game. Rodgers has still got at least another couple of years in him. I just don't get it. You could have had well, that maybe first pick on a, maybe like, they just thought, T Higgins, maybe you know, to give them some support or like anyone like that when they had that pick at the bottom of the first. It seems like an odd move. Maybe they will. Maybe they just thought, look, we don't know how Aaron's going to shake out. He is kind of thirty six, thirty seven. You just don't know. And maybe they just think, you know, if 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 Aaron carries on going, then we'll just use Jordan Love as sort of trade bait. You know, people have done that in the past. You know, so. I mean, most notably the Patriots. How many quarterbacks did they draft relatively highly uh, and then made them sit behind Brady and then traded traded them away? You know, Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, those sort of guys. Matt Castle. Yeah, Matt, Matt Castle as well. So interesting times ahead, Nathan. But we, I think we'll be back next week. Um, We'll see. Um, But certainly uh, lots of activity in the off-season for you to enjoy. Stay tuned to our social media channels at Hooday underscore UK uh, on Twitter and um, Bengals UK on Facebook. So uh, please stay safe out there. Please enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy your carrot sticks and hummus. Uh, It is a Hooday from me. And a Hooday from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.